Thank you for being present today on this beautiful day that God has given us, a day of sunshine, a day of cold weather. Are you ready for winter? Still fall. We got another month of fall, and then it'll come, you know, right? So, but it's here early this year, right? So, welcome and welcome to all of you who are watching and are listening online. Thank you so much for being a part of our extended family today. Thank you for blessing us with your presence as well. Today we get to continue our sermon series on the kingdom of God when kingdoms collide, and we're looking at Mark and his gospel. Today we're up to Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. You may follow along in the Bible if you want, or you may simply watch and follow the words on the screen behind me today as I read this scripture passage. Beginning at Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, that is Jesus, Peter, James, and John, coming down now from the Mount of Transfiguration. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, the father answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, This kind can only come out by prayer. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit to come and speak to us and illumine your word that we may be encouraged or exhorted, comforted or challenged according to our need and your will. Anoint this message. Anoint the messenger. 
Anoint us all as we listen and hear what is it that the Spirit is saying to Grace Church today. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters loved by God, have you ever felt spiritually weak, tired, fatigued in your spirit? Probably we all have at one time or another. After all, we are all human. You maybe hear an inspiring sermon on Sunday or you attend that small group or that teaching. You get all jazzed up, but on Monday morning, your faith falls flat. You pray with passion, but it feels like your prayers never get higher than the ceiling. You pray for God to turn around that event in your life, and yet it, it never changes. You pray for God to bring back that wayward son or daughter, and yet they remain lost, far from God. You pray for healing, and yet it never seems to come. You feel dead, maybe, kind of dry in your faith, kind of dull. Why, you could be the starring role in Zombie in The Walking Dead. Because you feel tired and numb on the inside. You feel defeated. It may surprise you to learn that even Jesus' disciples, at least some of them, some of the time, also felt this way. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, ready to reunite with the other disciples. A large crowd had gathered around the other disciples, and the teachers of the law were there arguing with them. And as soon as the people saw Jesus, they ran to, to greet him. Maybe Jesus, maybe he can help settle this dispute among us. Jesus asked, what are you arguing about? What's the big hubaloo? A man in the crowd brings his, his boy to Jesus and he is possessed by a demon and, and he has robbed him of his speech and the demon throws him into fits and makes the boy foam at the mouth and the disciples could not heal him. And Jesus expresses disgust with their lack of faith. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? You unbelieving generation, bring the boy to me. Jesus takes matters into his own hands and, and after an interesting conversation about believing with the boy's father, Jesus casts the deaf and dumb spirit out of the boy. and He lifts him to his feet. He is healed. It's a great story. Jesus' disciples ask Jesus privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus says, because this kind can only come out by prayer. What's the story about? Is it about demons? Evil spirits? Maybe you battle your personal demons? Is it about faith and believing? 
Jesus says, everything is possible for him who believes. I, I want so much to believe that. But it's hard at times. Maybe it's about prayer. This kind will only come out with prayer. Power of prayer. Maybe it's about all of the above. All wrapped up into one story. There are three things that absolutely must be said about today's passage. I invite you to take out your outline. Fill it in as we go. Number one, demons are real. Just say it with me. Demons are real. Make no mistake about it. Jesus acknowledges the reality of demons. They are not a figment of your imagination. They are not a primitive way of naming disease. They are not mythological creatures to explain evil. Demons and the devil himself, evil and impure spirits, are in fact real. Why else would Jesus have devoted so much of his ministry on earth to casting them out? We've seen it over and over again in our study of the book of Mark, right off the bat, Mark chapter 1. Jesus cast the demon out of a man in the synagogue. The demon comes, uh, the demon comes out with a loud shriek. In Mark 1, chapter, or verse 34, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. In Mark 3, verse 11, Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God! I mean, I mean, the demons knew who Jesus was before the people did. They got it right. In Mark chapter 3, the teachers of the law accused Jesus, saying, It is by the prince of demons that he is driving out demons. I mean, they didn't understand it, but they even they acknowledged that Jesus was casting out demons. And in Mark chapter 5, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man by sending the demons into a herd of pigs who, who then run off the end of a cliff, upsetting the pork market, turned it belly up. <laughs> and in today's passage, Jesus casts a demon out of a boy. Friends, demons and, demonic, and the demonic world are real. And we had better wise up and rise up against these forces of darkness that threaten our lives. Ephesians 6 verse 12 reminds us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, that is in the cosmos. Like it or not, believe it or not, there are demonic forces that are acting upon you and me every day of our lives, swirling around. Most of the time, we don't even realize it. You're not even aware. You just, maybe you feel down today. There is no explanation. Maybe you feel depressed. I don't know why, I just feel depressed. Maybe you feel angry. But you see, there is often a demonic spirit working on you, stealing your joy making you feel fatigued, making you beat down, taking away your hope, your energy, your passion for Jesus. Jesus described the work of the enemy and his, his legion of demons this way. He said, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And by the looks of it, the enemy is doing a pretty good job in our world today. Do you ever just wake up feeling sad? 
You just wake up feeling mad or feeling bad or maybe all three at once. You say, I don't know why. Well, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, there is a demonic source to your feelings. You see, the enemy is always working on us, affecting our mood and, and, and our reactions and our thoughts and even our, our body. I don't know about you, but I've had times where I could even almost like sense a kind of this weird presence uh, sometimes in, in the room. It was strange. So I don't know. Maybe that's a demon. And maybe you can too. And if you felt the impact of demons or negative or contrary spirits in your life, probably we all have. And many times without even knowing it. So don't be duped. Don't be duped. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't be the enemy's next lunch. Because he's out for you. And the moment you became a Christian, you got a great big target on your back. And pastors have a really big target on our backs too. And the enemy wants to knock you down. Demons are real. We need to know that. You and I are engaged in spiritual warfare every day of our lives, like it or not. Number two, demons are rough. Say it with me. Demons are rough. No, no, no. You got to go rough. Okay? Demons are rough. There you go. Now you got it. They are not your friends. They are not furry little cuddly creatures or toys to be hugged. Uh, let me share with you four ways that demons wreak havoc in our lives and relationships. And there are many more, but these are four that emerge from this passage of Scripture. Number one, they turn people against each other. Now, what's going on when Jesus and the other disciples come down from the Mount of Transfiguration? They have just had their mountaintop experience. The glory of God has been revealed in and through Jesus. is shining bright. Moses was there. Elijah was there. It's like, wow, this is incredible. Peter's like, let's put up some shelters. Let's memorialize this. No, 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 no. This is great mountaintop experience. It was their personal experience of God. We talked about it all last week. They come down from this mountain, and, and what do they find? The rest of the disciples are engaged in an argument with other people and with the teachers of the law. So what's going on here? So, okay, the issue of debate is centered around the fact that the disciples could not drive out an evil spirit from this boy whom the Father had brought to Jesus' disciples. So we can imagine the father frustrated with the disciples. I mean, come on, you guys. I, mean, I thought you were supposed to be the disciples of Jesus. You're supposed to have all this power. Hasn't he given you authority to drive out demons? And you can't even heal my boy. And my boy's been suffering. And come on, guys. And you can almost imagine the disciples on the other side, like trying to figure this out. Like, okay, well, hold it. Wait, put your hands this way. No, put your hands this. You know, there's all they're trying different techniques, and they're all they're off course, and they're trying to figure this out, and there's all this 
frustration that's growing. Meanwhile, the teachers of the law are just kind of standing in the background and kind of gloating over the fact that the disciples of Jesus, they seem to have no power. Oh, you guys, look at you, a bunch of clowns. You can't even do this. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, you call yourselves the disciples of Jesus, and the disciples are getting frustrated, and some of them are getting a little hot. And, and so there's this argument that's broken out between them. And what's the cause? What's at the root of it all? This demon. This demon and this boy that didn't want to come out. How many of you know that demons love to create arguments? Demons love to create disputes and divisions and walls between us, even as Christians. I mean, we see it in our world, in our politics, in our nation, between races and in our communities, in our churches and families and between married people, husbands and wives and marriages. We see it in between siblings and friends. All this argumentation, all this division. Turning people against each other is one of the primary tactics of the enemy. Don't fall for it. Don't take the bait. Whenever you're tempted to start talking down or negative about some other people, when somebody starts gossiping about so-and-so, don't take the bait. Don't feed into the slander. Oh, those negative, oh, they did this, they did that. So, yeah, yeah, and pretty soon there's divisions and there's sides. It's we against them. It's silly. That's exactly what the enemy wants. To turn people, good people, against each other. Do not feed into it. Don't take the bait. Number two, demons are rough. They turn people against each other and they torment us. Notice the effect this demon had on this troubled boy. The demon took away his speech, threw him to the ground, caused him to foam at the mouth, gnash his teeth. The boy became rigid. Sounds like someone with an epileptic seizure to me. Verse 22, the father says, It's often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. This is not a friendly demon. This is nobody you want to pal around with. Don't open yourself up, friends, to the dark side. Don't even leave the door open a crack. Close it tightly. The demon is out to torment and torture this boy, and he does a really, really good job of it. Demons also similarly cause disruption and pain in our lives by tormenting us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I know that they like to mess with me. They've affected this past week. There was some kind of dark days and recovering from my illnesses of last weekend. It was kind of a strange time. I was reminded of how when we're physically not feeling well, how vulnerable we are spiritually. How vulnerable we are. It's just that sometimes those two things work together, don't they? It's like I just feel, oh, I'm tired, I'm frustrated. I, I just, I have no spiritual strength. And maybe you too. Maybe the enemy's working on you too. There may be a physical issue that you can't find a cure for. Maybe there's a persistent negative thought that plagues you. Maybe there's a bad habit that you can't break or you just feel depressed and you can't break free. Well, have you ever considered that it just might be a demonic spirit acting on you, on your mind or your body, even on your spirit. I'm not telling I'm not saying you're depressed. Don't hear what I'm not saying that you're excuse me that you're possessed. 
Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying that there may be spiritual forces that are acting upon your life and it's time to rise up and call a spade a spade. Name it for what it is. This is of the enemy and you need to cast it out. The boy may have had an uh, epilepsy. We, we don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't really tell us. But there was a demonic spirit, if so, behind his epilepsy. There was a deeper cause, a demonic root cause. You can say, oh, it's just chronic pain or it's just some depression. And, and this, I just need some therapy. I just need some medication. I need a new prescription. We, we run to the doctors and we do this and that. Just give me a pill and solve me. You know what, friends? I'm not saying any of that is necessarily bad. There, there are times for that. Of course there are. But there may be an underlying deeper root cause. And it may be demonic in origin. Maybe you feel tormented. Maybe you're wrestling with demons and you're not even really aware of it. So as we're exposing the enemy today, know that demons are rough. They turn people against each other. They torment us. And number three, they tempt us toward unbelief. They tempt us toward unbelief. When Jesus found out what the people were arguing about and that the disciples could not drive the demon out, he says, oh, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus chides them for their lack of faith. He says, you're so unbelieving. What's going on here? The fact that the disciples could not drive the demon out of the boy did probably did not help the father's faith either. He turns to Jesus, verse 22, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus looks back at the father and he says, if you can, he repeats what the father said, if you can, if you can, Jesus says, everything is possible for, for the one who believes. And I love the Father's response in verse 24. I do believe, Jesus. Help me overcome my unbelief. It's such an honest expression of imperfect faith. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I can't do this on my own. The fact is, the devil and his demons are always trying to steal your faith away. Say, oh, maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe God really isn't good. Maybe God is out to get me. Maybe God really can't heal. Maybe God is punishing me. Why is all this happening against me? Poor me. God is out to get me. (laughs) You know, and we blame God for what the enemy's doing. Did you hear what I said? We blame God for what the enemy is doing. Remember the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. Earlier in our study, earlier this year, Jesus teaches us about a farmer who went out to sow his seed. Some fell among the path, some fell among rocky places, some among thorns, others on good soil. But what does Jesus say about the soil that fell on the path? What does he liken it to? He said it fell upon the path and what happened to it? The birds came and ate it up. And then he goes on to explain this to his disciples. And he says in verse 15 of Mark chapter 4, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, that which was sown in their lives. 
Satan is like those birds, and he's picking up the seeds, the seeds of the word of God that are sown in you and the accompanying faith that comes with it. And Satan is right there, and he's picking it up, and he's, he's kind of like one of those pickpocketers, you know? Like a, like, remember on like Candid Camera, those weird shows, you know, they show somebody's always, you know, like a professional pickpocketer, you know? And that's what Satan is doing. He is picking your pocket every day of your life. They wake up, oh, you know, what good is it to go to church today? It's probably not going to help. It's not going to change anything. You know what one of the greatest enemies of faith is today in our world? It's cynicism. Cynicism. Oh, nothing's going to help. This is a... No, 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 no. We just settle for this status quo, spirituality. We don't even believe anymore that things could be different, that things could be better. That maybe I don't have to live this way. Maybe I could be healed. Maybe I could be delivered from this. And I'm here today to kind of help you stir up your faith and believe again. No wonder the author of Hebrews says in 10.23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We're going to have a whole sermon series. We're going to pause after today, push the pause button on our, on our study of Mark, and we're going to have a sermon series just for Advent called Our Living Hope. And it is a living hope, and we'll say more about that next week. So please come back. I hope you'll be present for every one of those four. There's a flyer in the bulletin that tells about it, but um, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And that takes a, a tenacious faith. Number four, demons, they turn up the heat when we get closer to Jesus. You need to know this. You need to know this. Notice what happens as soon as the father brings the boy to Jesus. Verse 20, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. As soon as the boy was brought to Jesus, the evil spirit within him rises up violently in reaction to Jesus. Friends, when spiritual forces collide, when the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan collide, sparks fly. And things get rough and things get violent. The enemy digs his heels in and drills down even deeper. And so too in our lives, whenever you take significant steps toward God, toward Jesus Christ, expect the enemy to resist and put up every barrier, every obstacle, every excuse in the book to keep you away from God. That's what the enemy does. He turns up the heat. He'll make it more uncomfortable for you. He'll get you more busy. He'll get you more confused. He'll tell you, you don't have time to go to church. You don't have time for that Bible study or that small group. He'll get you to sign up, but he'll prevent you from showing up. You see, whenever we make significant steps forward in our spiritual journey, that's when the enemy comes. Notice in Jesus, he was baptized. What what happened right after his baptism? He was led out into the desert and he was tempted for 40 days. 
So you sign up to be a part of that Bible study or you plan to be a part of worship on Sunday and that's when the enemy puts up his biggest fight. He'll give you every excuse in the book. Oh, I stubbed my toe. I better not go. I can barely walk, you know. I just kind of want to be a burden. It's just, oh, I have a sniffle. Oh, oh, what was that? I think I was coming down with a cold. I probably have COVID. I better not share. I better not go to church today. I don't want to give it to anybody, you know. Oh, I looked out the window. There's a snowflake in the air. There it is. It's going to be a big storm storm. Better stay home. Going to be too risky. Probably going to get three feet of snow before the end of the church service. I better stay home. You know, we make up all of these weird excuses, all these strange thoughts, and we should know that the closer we are to the kingdom of God, the more resistance we're going to feel in moving forward toward Jesus. Just like this devil, this this demon that throws this boy into fits. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you should take heart. You're doing the right thing in getting your kids here on Wednesday night. You're doing the right thing by bringing your kids here on Sunday morning. Amen. Even though they're going to put up a fight, hey, maybe they're close to the kingdom of God. Don't give up. Maybe you feel under demonic attack. You may be closer to Jesus than ever before, than ever what you realized. But just prior to Jesus casting out the demon, the evil spirit shrieked convulsed him violently. In fact, the boy looked like a corpse. He was spent. And yet Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to the feet, to his feet. Demons tend to turn up the heat when we get closer to Jesus. They're going to make it more uncomfortable, more pressure to keep you from moving toward God. Demons are real. Demons are rough. Demons can be routed. Say it with me. Demons can be routed. This is the best news of all that I share with you today. How? How can demons be routed? Well, let's begin at the beginning. I'm going to assume nothing this morning. Demons can be routed through Jesus, number one. If you don't have Jesus in your life, If you've never opened your heart and received him as your personal Savior and Lord, you are never going to be successful against the enemy. He will win every time. Jesus is your kryptonite. Colossians 2.15 says, And he, Jesus, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them on the cross, triumphing over them at the cross. I love that. He made a spectacle of them. Ha ha, look at you, Satan. 1 John 4.4 reminds us, You, dear children, are from God. You have overcome them. Who's them? These evil forces. Because the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen. At whose name do demons tremble? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Paul said in Philippians 2 in that great hymn, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Yes, the demons knew who Jesus was even before people did. Who are you, Holy One of God? What do you want with us? They knew. In today's story, the disciples were powerless on their own. Only when Jesus showed up was the demon finally cast out. And the question I ask again is, is Jesus living in you? Have you opened your heart to receive him? 
You see, Jesus is your number one line of defense in routing demons. And without him, you will end up defeated all of the time, kind of like the Packers this year. Just they never can seem to win anymore. So, you know, you're going to be defeated all of the time. You know what we need at Grace Church? I'm convinced of it. We need more frogs. Yeah, we need frogs here. You know that? We need people who are fully relying on God's strength. We need frogs here at Grace Church. So come with your frog costume on next week. We'll see if we can pick this. Okay, maybe not. Judy's going to do that probably. So. Demons can be routed through Jesus, number one. We need to start at the beginning. Start with Jesus. Number two, through faith. Through faith. Not faith for faith's sake, not the power of positive thinking, not faith in faith or confidence in yourself, but faith in Jesus Christ, him alone, and his ability to cast out the demon. You see, we begin by believing and accepting Jesus. You need him in your life. But we must also believe that Jesus wants you to be well, that he can actually cast out that demon, that he can actually bring healing. Notice again the role that faith plays in today's passage. Jesus chides the people. Oh, you unbelieving generation. How long am I going to put up with you guys? Right? So he says to the Father, oh, if you can, if I can. No, I can't. Of course I can. I'm Jesus. Everything is possible for him who believes. And the Father acknowledges his unbelief. See, Jesus points us to the role of faith in routing demons. Say, a better life is possible. Believe in Jesus. Believe in his ability to cast out, to give you a better life. Yes, the devil, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life, says Jesus. John 10.10. 10. A better life is possible. You don't have to live like that. You can be healed. You can be set free from that addiction. You can live without chronic pain or ongoing depression or that nagging physical issue holding you back. Now, we don't understand this fully. This is not a, you know, I'm not saying this is a guarantee. Jesus doesn't heal every disease and cast out every demon in this life. But if you don't have faith and you never believe for it and you never try and exercise your faith, how will you know that your healing, that your miracle, that your deliverance isn't right around the corner? Our role is to stand in faith, stand strong. These are the sovereign things of God, but how important is faith? There's a story that we looked at earlier in this series, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. It's entitled, A Prophet Without Honor. You might remember that. Jesus goes back to his hometown, kind of a little family reunion, and nobody cares. This is, what do you mean, this Jesus? What is he doing? That's just the son of Joseph. I mean, we saw him when he was a little boy. Was easy. We helped him babysat. We helped change the diapers. And he pooped his pants. I mean, this Jesus is just a regular person. And they didn't see anything special in him, and it prohibited Jesus. It severely limited Jesus in his ability to do miracles. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 6, it tells us, and he, Jesus, was amazed at their lack of faith. My hope and prayer is that Jesus will never be amazed at your at Grace Church's lack of faith. Believe. Don't give up. And that belief will lead us to number three. 
Demons can be routed through Jesus, through belief, and through prayer. Through prayer. Say it with me. Verse 28 and 29, after Jesus came, had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus said, because this kind can only come out by prayer. The footnote in your Bible may say by prayer and fasting, but the earliest and most reliable manuscripts do not have that little phrase, and fasting. It was thought to be added later, probably by a scribe. It's by prayer, period. By prayer. Apparently there are different kinds of demons. And whatever kind this one was, it was a stubborn kind. I don't know, maybe it was Dutch or German or something. I don't know. It was very stubborn. And the disciples seemed to have taken for granted the power given to them by Jesus. Or they thought somehow it was inherent in them. Their lack of prayer indicated they had forgotten that their power over demons and spirits was from Jesus and Him alone. Yes, they were given authority to drive out evil spirits, but that authority was rooted in the power of God, not in theirs. How many of you know that prayerlessness equals powerlessness? That you are never so high and powerful as when you are bowed low and on your knees in prayer. It is one of two offensive weapons named in the armor of God in our arsenal in Ephesians chapter 6. The word of God and prayer, two offensive weapons against the enemy. How to stand strong. Demons are real. Demons are rough. Demons can be rooted, routed, excuse me, routed. What does this teaching mean for you personally and practically? Maybe you are being influenced by demons. Maybe you struggle with some personal demons. There's a kind of a habit that you can't break. There's some, a thought pattern that you just can't get free from. Maybe you just feel down and depressed a lot. And it's time to rise up and call a spade a spade and exhort that enemy and the authority of Jesus, Satan, you have no business in my life. Be gone! Out! Never to return, like it says right here. You can do that. You have that power. You have that authority. And then pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you. Maybe you are struggling with belief, with your faith. You want so much to believe, but you're lacking faith. And like the, the boy's father, you say, I do believe, help my unbelief. And that's a good place to start. Just acknowledge where you are. Say, Lord, I need you. I just, I need you to help give me the faith to believe. I'm lacking right now. So hold fast to the promises of God. Stand firm on his word. Maybe you're lacking in prayer. Maybe your prayers are too nice. Maybe they're too wimpy. I know my prayer life could use some help. You know, I spend a lot of time uh, informing God of all the things that He already knows. You know, you ever do that? You know, no, it's, 
It's not, oh, Lord, maybe, please, if you have time. It says, Lord, your word tells me I can approach your throne of grace boldly in times of need. Lord, I need you. Come, restore, renew, heal. Lord, protect me from enemy spirits. How about we pray some bold, some fresh, some new prayers this week? Asking for a mighty movement of God. You see, the fact is, today's teaching is not about some otherworldly spiritual realm that has little to do with life here on planet Earth. No, today's teaching is one of the most practical, personal, and relevant teachings for your life in the real world, where demons pursue and devils threaten to undo you every day of your life. That's a fact. And we better wise up, because you are engaged in spiritual warfare every day of your life. You're in the battle, like it or not. And we better know our enemy and his tactics. And we better know Jesus and his power. Let's pray. Lord and God, come and help us, Lord, because we need you so much. Lord, we need you to work and move and act in our hearts and lives, and we need to know that the same power that rests in Jesus also lives in us. And so, God, help us and give us your strength to be victorious, Lord. Forgive us when we settle for the status quo. Forgive us when we lack faith and we think this is all there will ever be. This is the way life is going to be from now on and we just settle and we get used to it. Lord, you didn't come to give us a mediocre life. You didn't die on the cross so that we could just get by. Oh God, forgive us for our lack of faith, this unbelieving generation. But Help us to rise up Claim the power that is ours in Jesus to pray bold prayers, to assert ourselves against the enemy forces of Satan and his army of demons that threaten to undo us. May we rise up and fight against them. In Jesus' name.